All right, troops, strong and conditioned, live and direct from the Strong and Conditioned podcast in Glasgow, Scotland. And today's guest, I am very honoured to announce, in fact, I'm more than honoured, I am trembling in the knees to a certain degree because this man has been a very big influence on my own training over the last 10, 15 years. We have the one and only Dan John. Dan, how are you, brother? Well, I'm, I'm good, Lee. Uh, I'm here in uh, at St. Mary's uh, in Twickenham and uh, just just a bit south from you, uh, a, a bit of a train ride down. Uh, and uh, it's been really, really hot. And of course, you know, when you when you coach and teach in uh, unair conditioned uh, facilities with a bunch of sweaty people, uh, you, you tend to lose your voice a little bit. So if I don't have my my usual soprano voice uh, with uh, the dulcet tones. I apologize, and uh, just to let the let people. This is just coffee, not nothing added to it. Just coffee, okay? Just in case they're thinking I'm, I'm, I'm taking a nip as I'm, I'm going through here this morning. All right, and good morning to you, Leah. Things so overall, things are excellent. I could probably use a little bit more moisture in my life. Yes, <laughs> we call it a wee cheeky dram in Scotland. <laughs> Cheek. How- Cheeky, a wee cheeky dram. Uh, so uh, it, it, what brings you over to the UK at this point in time, Dan? Do you teach here? Yeah, um, for the last past eight years, I think. I've been a senior lecturer over at, uh, as I point, I point like you you know where I'm. I say, oh yeah, right over there. Uh, over at St. Mary's and uh, we have a fantastic strength and conditioning master's degree. And uh, we have students. Uh, in fact, I've had a number of students from uh, Glasgow. Uh, well, and I apologize when I speak Scottish. It's not as good as, uh, and a number of students from the from Scotland. Uh, we have a couple from Wales this year. Tend to get a lot from Ireland, Malta, the Netherlands, Canada, quite a few. And I think we have our second American student this year. So yeah, it's it's a real diverse group. Uh, uh, we've had students from all over the eastern part of the uh, uh, Europe too. And it's, it's just a real honor. I, I, I love the diversity of the group. Uh, we have athletes and uh, people who coach. And we have people who coach surfing. We have people who coach archery. We have a, someone just did a study on uh, strength training for string quartets, which, I mean, who's ever worked on string quartets? I mean, I, but, you know, there's an, you know, uh, so it's, it's wonderful. And I, and I love the group. I love the other, the staff is wonderful. And it's just lovely here. And so every day I walk about. Uh, do you do you do miles or do you do kil- uh, kilometers? Uh, we do miles in Scotland. Yeah, so I average about five to seven miles of walking every day, just to do things like eat and you know get the laundry done and go to go to work. It's it's, it's wonderful. It's a real yeah. vacation for me. Well, the first thing that I picked up there was you're one of the few Americans that pronounces Glasgow by its proper uh, name. Oh, what's the other way to say it? Glasgow. Oh, gla- <laughs> well, well, thank you. I'm, I'm honored. <laughs> and I've also been yeah, to, yeah. I've also spent a lot of time in Edinburgh. <laughs> Edinburgh. Oh, well, wait, wait, so that's that's a double whammy. I'm surprised you never said Edinburgh. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's right next to hamburger. Yeah, right. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So 
from a, a fitness perspective, can you like some of the people who watch my channel? They, they they go down a certain road of fitness, and as shocking as it may be, you may not be uh, familiar to them. So, could you please give us some explanation with regards to like a brief rundown of your fitness journey, so to speak? Well, sure. I mean, I think there's probably about only one or two things that uh, explain me well, but I'll go through the whole thing. But uh, I had a brother come home from the Vietnam War, and then my aunt died. And my aunt um, left my brother's $500. So this is 1965, and they went to a store called Sears, and they bought a 50-kilo, 110-pound barbell set. And when they brought it home, there was a little manual in there. And I still, by the way, I still have the manual. Uh, uh, I would show it. It's right there in my office. It sits right there in my office, you know. And uh, I looked over the workouts and I was hooked. I mean, the first time I saw that barbell and the, and, the, and how to train, uh, you know, two sets of five of clean and press, two sets of five of the deadlift. And I was eight years old. It was 1965. And I want you to think about that, uh, your listeners. So, you know, the president of the United States was Lyndon Johnson. Uh, the Beatles were, you know, probably on their third album. The Rolling Stones might have started already, but the big sound was the Beach Boys. And that's when I started lifting weights. Uh, I mean, the Mexico City Olympics haven't happened yet. And about 1971, I started to... Uh, well, my first trophy is from 1967. And then in 1971, I started to really kind of hammer down what works and doesn't work for myself. You know, I was a 14-year-old, and uh, I often comment that if people would listen to 14-year-old Dan Danny John as much as they listen to, the to this guy, they'd probably be just as fine. I was 14 years old, and I said, you know, 50 years from now, which is kind of funny to think about it because that's two years ago. I would, uh, if all I said, I wrote my little journal. If all you did was clean and press and squat snatch, you would be fine. That's all the, and it's interesting because the clean and press and the squat snatch are still two of my probably foundational exercises. And I, I figured that out in 1971. Um, I wanted to be an American football player, and I was. I played for a long time, but I read an article, uh, a book, pardon me, about a, a football player, and he, uh, he threw the discus and did the hurdles in the spring. So in the spring, I threw the discus and ran the hurdles. And uh, pretty soon I picked up that I was uh, much better suited, you know, because of the way things are uh, to be a, an elite discus thrower. And so discus throwing uh, paid for all my college, my university. You know, we have the athletic scholarship system here and uh, there in the United States. And... So I was a discus thrower for, I think, I retired formally on July 24th, 2010. So basically, I had about a 41-year career as a discus thrower. I would say much of it as at least an international level, and then almost all of it as a national level, which in the United States is still pretty good. In 1979, when I got my graduate degree, uh, pardon me, my, my bachelor's degree, uh, Coach Ralph Mon asked me if I would stick around and help the track team, track and field athletics, um, because he was getting worried because bodybuilding was taking over the weight room. 
and uh, Arnold's education of a bodybuilder had come out in 75. Pumping Iron had come out in about 77, I think. And by 79, everybody was, you know, doing curls and tricep extensions. They weren't cleaning, snatching, you know, squatting, you know, we, that that gone by the wayside. And so there's a chance that, I don't know, in 1979, I might have been the first track and field strength and conditioning coach, uh, which is kind of a weird thing to say. I'm not, I, I, I'm certainly, I'm, I'm open if somebody said no, somebody else was first, but I'm certainly in the first couple, you know, uh, I don't think there was anybody else, anybody else at the time. And I was uh, more of an academic for a long time. I, I wrote, I've published articles on the poem Beowulf, uh, a lot of work on King Arthur and the uh, Grail legends. I had a column on religious studies for, oh, about 10 years, a weekly, uh, weekly articles. And then I wrote an article for some, uh, a guy over at Testosterone Nation, uh, Chris Shugart, <clears throat> asked me if I'd write an article for T Nation and, uh, so all my academic uh, work had brought me no money at all, uh, zero, not a nickel, uh, not a shilling, okay, uh, not a not a hay penny. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I got, I wrote this article, um, and in that article, I got paid more than I made a month. And I said to myself, you know, it's great that you're an academic and, you know, my work on Beowulf, you know, was life-changing, but I like this money thing. And then that's when I kind of slid over to writing on fitness and, you know, what's it's 20 years later. And, uh, uh, my 15th, 16th book will come out in about a month. Uh, and, uh, it's weird. I mean, people recognize me on planes, airports, uh, walk, I was walking up the, I was walking up the stairs in your capital and, uh, in Scotland, and someone said, Dan John. And uh, so that, uh, so you don't get that famous writing about Beowulf, I'll tell you that. Okay. So, <laughs> so and here we are today. I'm a senior okay. lecturer at St. Mary's. Okay. There's, there's a lot to pick apart there, but what you said at the beginning uh, caught my uh, interest. And it was when you spoke about discovering uh, the weights for the first time through your brother buying that weight set. Do you think that the lack of information that was available then allowed you to get better, more refined results with regards to the work you were putting in? That is, I got to tell you, that is a very, very interesting way to ask this question. That's <laughs> all to you, my friend. That's great. You've uh, you have the Rangers up in Glasgow, right? Yes, I'm a Rangers fan, actually. So, all right, I'm just checking because. Uh, I'll make a phone call and tell them to salute you at the next game. Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, that's a that's a really good question. Because the way you said it was interesting because you said that there was very little information. Truth is, there were good magazines and good books out at the time. Uh, here in the United States, we had Strength and Health magazine. Uh, here in England, you had Health and Strength, which was a very, very good magazine. Uh, we had uh, books by like Reg Park. Uh, there was a lot of good information on Olympic lifting and what, what we now more call power bodybuilding, because that's how people used to train bodybuilding. It wasn't 
just, you know, high reps and drugs, you know. Um, the information we had then was battle-tested information. It wasn't, it wasn't, and I don't know, I mean, I don't know how graphic you can be, but when I grow up, uh, <laughs> I got to be careful when I talk about Instagram because we were talking about Instagram last night. And we, we all made the joke at the table that uh, my students, that we had a big party last night from uh, our students, uh, our, our graduating students. And we're all joking how Instagram's algorithm all sends us really hot, uh, nearly naked women uh, uh, in, in our feeds. And we're just joking about, you know, we're not actively out there seeking, you know, women, you know, butts and boobs. It, they just, it, that's what the algorithm. And uh, the, I wouldn't say there's good information at all out now. I think it's most, uh, I mean, there was a lot of crap back in, 1965 to 19 no, to today but back then it was more like you know soy based supplements and you know crappy they, you know they would have they would make up these you know you'd buy these oils in fact the word it's interesting there, there's a, a guy named michael coglin who says you know actually he studied snake oil it's actually pretty good it's you know he's, he, he you've heard the word snake oil salesman and he said, yeah, actually, yeah. you actually got real snake oil. It's far better than the stuff that's in these bottles. And so we had crappy, there was a lot of supplement ads. So there was a couple of major supplement companies, but there was also some good supplement companies. Uh, you can't, uh, Rio H. Blair had a, had a really good protein product that didn't give you massive farts, unlike uh, Hoffman York products. Um not a lot of, I mean, people would sell courses in uh, the back of like Iron Man magazine, but most of it was free for a subscription or buy the magazine at the rack on the corner store. But the information was always fairly basic. It would have been, uh, well, I mean, like Dave Davis, 1974 article on how, how to train shoppers, do the Olympic lifts, do the power lifts. That's still the best way to, I think, to train shot putters. I, I, I mean, there's more. I mean, yeah, farmer walks and runs some hills, sure. But for strength and conditioning, you've nailed it. Yeah. So the information was good. You know, do the basic human movements. You know, if you look at Reg Parks programs, uh, the great uh, bodybuilder, you know, you have military press, bench press, row, pull up, deadlift, squat, heavy curls, some kind of tricep extension, some kind of ab work. See you two days. And it's still good advice. The human body hasn't changed that much uh, in 50 years or so. So it is 60 years. Oh my God, 60 years. Uh, but um, the information then was basic. It was sound. Uh, back in 1965, you would read articles that would say, you know, don't ask me about, don't ask me about supplements until you take care of your sleep. Uh, don't ask me about protein. If you're not eating vegetables, the same things I preach today. The the big the big change, of course, at the same time, uh, anabolic steroids were showing up, and amphetamines were showing up, and so out of nowhere, people went from, you know, if you look at Tommy Kono, Mister Universe, about I think he was about 1963. He was also yeah. a multiple Olympic champion. You look at him, and it's like, you look at Steve Reeves, who later became Hercules. The, there's no question those guys were drug free and we know it because there were no drugs. Well, I mean, who knows, who, who knows, but 
you look at those body types and and that's about as good steve reeves you look at his body and and when he was you know competing that's a pretty good look you know he's got a good look you look at tommy kono when he's competing once the once the amphetamines once the anabolics start showing up you know guys are going in and doing i mean this is what i and i know this is true you know there were some people who would pop amphetamines and then go in and add 20 kilos to their clean and jerk now it's i didn't uh, by the way folks this is terrible don't do it the long-term effects are brutal on you please kids drugs are bad thank you very much but all of a sudden about 65 66 it, and by 68 it's it's there's no secret i mean bill Starr has that famous article in strength and health where he says if you don't use amphetamines and anabolics forget it you have no chance <laughs> it said that in a magazine you know you little you know little how old would i say you know little 11 year old danny john is going <laughs> what's an anabolic you know what's an amphetamine you know and and all the, and that's when i think that's when they're real it was about then that and then at the same time arnold shows up the book comes out the movie and then we just slide in when i say weightlifting most people hear bodybuilding and that's when the big shift happened in the mid 70s and that's when all the nonsense started showing up uh to the point now that you know uh we have a, I, I know this this person who it's so clear has gone down the the drug side of bodybuilding to to watch her and also to not only her in the physique but in where the brain is working you can just see and, and long-term ramifications of that with especially with females with men you 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 can if you get off drugs you kind of come back to baseline you know there are changes you know if you're if you take certain things your jaw stays your teeth you know your your the space stay there the elbow ends with their growth they that stays but with females <laughs> my voice today how are you doing um with with females those changes stay so it's it's brutal to watch what's happening so i would just say this uh lee i know i would talk way too long here but all i would just say is this the information you find in the 50s and 60s is solid true real battle tested since then i always have an asterisk when i read something okay yeah 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 and, so uh, i like you also made an interesting point in explaining that bad advice existed then but was the signal to noise ratio it was i would assume it would have been a lot more refined let me say it this way lee strength and health magazine came out once a month iron man magazine came out so if there was a stupid idea you had 28 to 31 days <laughs> before you got a new stupid idea but you could go on instagram or whatever right now and find in real time i'm not you could probably find six stupid ideas a minute now or more so so the signal it's not just a signal to noise ratio it's also and so when i was young iron man had an article one time where this guy recommended okay you do a set of curls you do a set of tricep extensions okay you got that and you drank a protein shake 
every hour on the hour. <laughs> he expected to do it for eight hours. And a friend of mine named Randy Taylor actually did it. He went to he went to the Pacific Barbell Club, read magazines all day. Uh, curl, extension to failure, protein drink, wait an hour. I, I, God only knows what happened to his stomach that day. But uh, <laughs> okay, he never did it again because it was a dumb idea. Well, it took him a whole month to find a new, a new dumb idea to try. Now you you don't even have time, you don't even have time to to process if it's a dumb. You don't even, can't even think about it when you're getting nailed with all these ideas. So yeah, I would say. So let's just do it two two ways. The amount of volume of idiocy is through the roof now, part one. But number two, the thing I think is worse is you simply don't you don't have the time to process an idea before you get another dumb one. Yeah, yeah. And if you read a book, you know, it takes a, it takes a while to put together a book. And if a book has is just a bunch of idiocy, it takes about two or three years for the whole book process to finish. So if you're just using books as your as your training thing, that author that author doesn't really have time to give you a, another set of bad ideas if you're, if you're following my logic here. Yeah, yeah. But absolutely. now all you got to do is flip, you know, flip the switch and hi, I'm Dan John from danjohnuniversity.com and here's something I want you to do today. Hey folks, let's go, you know, you know, the the, the healthiest thing you can do Go swimming in the Thames, find an eel, eat the eel raw. <laughs> then, with it still in your mouth, run them on. And an hour later, I could say something else just as stupid. And uh, yeah, you don't you don't even have a ch chance to process it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, like, like you said, you could literally write that down, and there are people out there who would follow it because they are desperate to build muscle. Like they're absolutely desperate to the point where they will try things that do not make sense but they won't do this they won't do they won't learn how to squat correctly and they won't deadlift and and they won't do an overhead press but they'll do anything but farmer walks they'll do I'll, coach i'll do anything you say except i can't squat i, I don't want to squat i don't want to deadlift i don't want to farmer walk i don't want to press over my head oh and i don't want to geez i i don't like this i i heard that fasting's bad for you I heard the coffee, you know, you just, anything I tell people now, it's like a, you know, a trampoline, uh, the, tramp, same, same here, trampoline. Yeah. I feel like I'm coaching, you know, I'm throwing shot puts on, on trampolines. As <laughs> I throw it down before I even have a chance. <laughs> it's coming right back in my face, you know? Uh, okay. Lee, I want you to squat. I can't squat. Watch the devil. You know? You gotta be careful. I don't want to slam my head against this. <laughs> Do you know, like the the thing about fitness is, like, for an example, if you like broke something in your house, like the lights, and you you contact an electrician, when the electrician comes to fix the light, you don't even question him. You let him get to work, and that's it. However, fitness is that profession where a person will come to you for advice, but they know better than you. They will never take your advice on board. There's something in their head that just 
like speaks to them to make them think they know better and it's, it's something that i've never really understood it seems to be a, a maligned industry in that respect do you think there's a reason for that this is your dissertation for your doctor degree because um, <laughs> it, it, it's a multiple there are first off everybody has their own body free and clear they don't have to buy it yeah so no matter how bad you look, no matter how broken you are, you're still an expert on you. Yeah. And, uh, but I, 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 Lee, I've never heard it said so well. I really like that. I'm, in fact, I'm stealing it from me. Uh, <laughs> it from my own. Uh, oh, and by the way, gentle listeners, I'm not this pale. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the screen here. It's like, damn, I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I don't have malaria. Okay. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, you, you, it, well, I have, I, I talk about, I, I call her Edna. And in, in my in my books, I talk about Edna, who asked me about, she wanted to lose some weight. And so one of my questions is, how many diets have you done? And she said, 30. And then a couple of days later, she said, I forgot a couple. Well, if you've done 30 diets, then... If I say you should go low carb, I tried that, I did it. I say high carb, I tried that, I did it. If I say more vegetables, I tried that, I did it. So the number of objections you have, I tell people this all the time, and it's it's a weird thing to say. Take a picture of yourself the first time you go on a diet because you're never going to look that good again. Once you go down, once you start dieting, um, you, it, well, especially in the United States, the yo-yo begins to happen. Boom, 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 boom. Um, and so most of the people you interact with, Lee, probably have done diets and they've probably done something, you know, uh, you know, I talked to a lot of people when Bikram yoga was a kind of a rage a couple of years ago. Uh, I'll say to someone, you need to do mobility and they'll say, well, I did mobility. I did Bikram yoga. Well, the problem with Bikram yoga, besides Bikram, um, it classes an hour and a half. You had to show up early to get a space so that, you know, you're looking at an hour and 45 minutes. And then afterwards, you look like an axe murderer for like a half an hour because <laughs> so you couldn't really do anything. So you're looking at a, you know, almost three hour commitment and they would tell you to come every day. So the person would go once or twice and then be like, mentally, I'm never doing that again. Then they go to the workout that shall not be named and they go there and they would do, you know, jumping jacks, followed by burpees, followed by Olympic snatches, followed by deadlifts, followed by box jumps for five rounds. And they couldn't walk for days because their knees hurt, their back hurt, their shoulders hurt. Well, I'm not doing that. Okay. Then they got it. I'm going to become, I'm going to run a, a marathon and they run a few times without any preparation you know, uh, and their knees would hurt, their ankles would hurt, their back would hurt. So then they come to me and say, help me. And it's like, no matter, and no matter what they do, they've done it, it hurt, and they're not going to do it again. There's just not that many options left to, to yeah. help. But where, yeah. where, where you help them is what Art Devaney famously said at the workshop. A woman raised her hand and said, what do you do? How do, you, how do you get rid of fat? And Art said, don't get fat in the first place. And that <laughs> really upset her, 
but it's absolutely true. Take care of things when you're eight, nine, ten years old. Uh, and you're, tw- God, just from 18 to 26, don't let yourself, you know, don't let yourself, you know, you don't have to be at the pub every night, you know, knocking down pint after pint after pint and then sitting in chairs all day. Take take care of it. Uh, Peter Atia has a great line. He says, if you could see yourself five years before you died, you would probably make changes in your in your uh, in in the way you do things. You know what I say? No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. I people very very few people have the vision of fifty years later. Uh, odd, I'm not pat myself on the back, but hats off to myself at fourteen when I said, "Here's some exercises I want to be doing when I'm you know sixty five. I'm 66 now, and so, you know, I'm, I'm glad I made those decisions in my 20s, 30s, 40s, because I'm, I'm, I'm reaping the benefits today. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that you've also got to factor in that, like, people do have an inherent laziness, and it's also combined with uh, the, uh, the need to escape pain. And those two don't really run in synergy with fitness because this, the more sensible approach is to take things steadily because the journey is lifelong. And when you factor in the the marketing that, uh, that dominates fitness, which is set to strict deadlines, 12-week, 8-week plans, then it starts to muddy the waters somewhat because people go into this with a, a lack of knowledge to some degree and they're only going on what they're hearing before they're actually starting to chip away and, and find about the stuff that really matters, the stuff that's going to determine a long-term effect. And it's how you can relay that information, which is which is something you excel at, which is going to lead me on to my next question or my next uh, monologue. It's one of the books you wrote had a very profound effect on my training. And it was Mass Made Simple. Really? Huh. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's such a, con, considering where our, where, where our conversation has been going, uh, so Mass Made Simple would counter a lot of things I've just said. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I, I, yeah, but it ties in with my experience because. One of the, the things that's always uh, captured my attention with you is your writing style, which I find to be like in a world of machismo dominated fitness. I find your writing style is very, it's, it's quite gentle. And you'll read one of your books and, and it's, it's, they're very easy to read, they're very easy to digest, but they're, they're, they're gentle to a certain degree. The information's very easy to take on board. But your programs are absolutely brutal. So, so you lead people into a false sense of security, yeah, and that—that's what happened with me with Mass Made Simple. Mass Made Simple to me was—it was like a rocket, like up my derriere, so to speak, because it was the first ever program that took me into a dark place. So that's. The, 
like to go on to the, the more like programming sense of things, how do you like what is your mindset when you create these brutal programs and do you write about them in such a style to allow people into that false sense of security? I think okay, so this is my belief. I think that I think that building lean body mass without drugs is probably the hardest thing we can do. It is very difficult. So when I work with American football or rugby or special forces and they say, I want a bigger engine, I don't I I don't think you can do it, you know. I, I get I, I, you can. You could do it over a 10 year period. Okay, over 10 years, I can probably build, I can probably get you where mass made simple will take you in six weeks. I don't know of a single person who's going to invest five years, 10 years into doing it. So what I think when it comes to something like building lean body mass, I make a, we, we circle the calendar and we say, here, here's when we commit to it. And strangely, if six weeks, it's a six week program, as you know, six weeks is probably the upper limit. I think that you can do something hard. Uh, if you think about, you know, one of the things, if you, uh, in the military experience, you, know, you have boot camps that last 13 weeks. Uh, I know the Royal Marines is a really long, I, I, I want to say the Royal Marines is half a year, I think. Right. Yeah. I think it is 32 it's, weeks. I think it is. Holy. Yeah. That's just, I mean, that's, huge so what happens in is when you have a boot camp that's far longer than the six weeks it's it's not about the physical they're not trying to shape that they're not trying to get you in shape they're trying to reshape the way you think act and react yeah yeah absolutely when, when you get to week six uh in boot camp that's when the, the that's when the react that's when you start to change. That's when your worldview starts to slide into a different direction. Without a boot camp situation, where I mean, we have the friendly drill sergeant nudge you awake every morning, little Lee, time to wake up. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> you, if you're going to do it on your own, there is a six there's a six week there's a six week time limit. You'll also notice that the first two workouts in Mass Made Simple. Week one, and it does extend in the week two. The workouts are very light in load, but and the reps are, I mean, uh, the, the, you you do kilos or pounds, my friend. Kilos. Okay, so the first workout is I, you know, I, I don't know, it's forty five kilos. It's 40, 40 is fine. It doesn't matter. You know, you're gonna do forty kilos for a set of twenty five or thirty reps in the back squat. It's not hard. I mean, it's doable. But when you're doing a set of 30 with, you know, 40 kilos, somewhere around set rep 15, 16, 17, you, you, you have to remind yourself how light the load is. And you, and, <laughs> and you still have about 13, 14, 12 reps to 11 reps to go, 10 reps to go. When you're doing those sets of 50, you, most people, I work with people who could probably do 50 reps with, 100 kilos the very first time they step to the bar but their brain can't do it the, the, you know they could i mean with to save the planet to save their family they could they could do it at the end of the six weeks you step onto the bar and you do it with total confidence because you've built up there and it's all those reps that's all that time the comp how about those complexes didn't that look easy on paper 
Yeah, that's my next question, actually. That's, I was yeah. going to ask about them. Okay, so the complexes look easy on paper. You look at the bench press and you say, don't you know who I am? I'm Lee, okay? I can do that. <laughs> then you get to the one-arm presses and it's like, I still got to squat. <laughs> <laughs> you do those workouts, you know, about two or three times a week. The workouts by themselves are long. They make a massive uh, hit, massive adaption, massive stimulus to the body. You know, it, it, to the point that you're, people shake when they finish those workouts. Literally, they shake. And then I, what I ask you to do for the next few days is eat as much as you physically can. You know, wear, zip up a hoodie, walk around, sit a lot, get some sleep. <laughs> Don't do anything and let the body adapt. That works, and then it doesn't. And then we stop the program and move on. Yeah, yeah. So I also think I have two theories about fat loss. Just I also think you either do it in, in 28 days or it becomes a six-month to 18-month yeah. glide. Yeah. In fat loss, both works. 28 days then has to be followed very strictly with an intelligent glide. You have to, you know, otherwise it'll come, literally, it'll just, it'll come right back. So building lean body mass has to be, um, well, I was going to say a baseball bat, a cricket bat to, to the to the head to, to, to stimulate uh, the adaptions. Um, if you ever train with me, if you come to my, you come down here, you come to my home gym, um, one of the things you'll notice is that uh, I call it park bench training. Uh, do you do you know this concept? Should I explain? No, no. Okay, park bench and bus bench. Oh yeah, yeah, I do, I do, I do. So there's a I'm, I'm across the street from a famous park, and in that park is a bench. When I go to that park and I sit on that bench and I watch, you know, I watch the river go by and I, I watch the children play and. You know, I watch the ducks and the geese. Yeah. If a squirrel comes by, great. If a squirrel doesn't come by, I don't care either. So you take that same bench and you put it right outside my door here where there's a bus stop. It's the same bench, but at a bus stop, there's a huge difference. I expect something to happen. I expect a, but, uh, 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 I expect a bus to come by when it's supposed to come by. Okay. So park bench programs are programs where you come in, you push, pull, hinge, squat, load to carry, you do your mobility, you go for a walk, uh, you know, you, you hang from a bar, you do whatever you're going to do. And for me, I, I still think park bench is the best way to be successful for fat loss, for lean body mass gain, and for athletic performance. Having said that, I'm in an industry that just pushes bus bench programs. Eight weeks, you know, two weeks to a tighter tummy is an Elton Darden book. You know, I always joke, you know, six to week, six weeks to Titanic traps, you know, nine weeks, <laughs> you know, horrendous hamstrings, you know, whatever. Two weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. Uh, uh, everybody, you know, I get these emails all the time. Everybody join me in a 30 day challenge. Everybody here, send me money and I'll give you this 30 day workout. It's a bunch of crap. Most of them are just crap. Most of them are just a lot of, you know, like kettlebell complexes or, you know, just, you know, 
burpees, followed by jumping jacks, followed by running in place. Just, it's just crap thrown against the wall. It's just a bunch of words thrown against the wall. You pay money for it. You get it. You do one workout and then you're back to what you always do, whatever that is. Uh, if you're American, it's bench press and curl. Um, so for me, most of the time I would prefer if in my perfect universe, you would, everybody I work with would sleep nine hours. They would meditate. They would fast before they got to the workout. They would push, pull, hinge, squat, load, and carry, mobility work, go for a walk. Afterwards, have a, a heavy protein, heavy vegetable meal, drinking a lot of water. Uh, later in the day, they would have a, another protein, veggie, water, or whatever. They get a great night's sleep. They'd have a wonderful community. They'd have great friends, and they would never eat candy. They would never eat sugar. They would never eat fast food. And in my imaginary world, I also have wings because everything I just said, the wings is the least. That I like the chance of me getting wings. <laughs> just fantasy. <laughs> so the park bench like style like it, it kind of reminds me of chinese water torture on that respect well it's it's just a drip a constant flow which is probably not going to make an immediate impact but over time it's going to burrow a hole through the rock whereas whereas the the, the bus stop workouts are they're almost like a reference point to show you how hard you can drive the body. So if you want to create a stimulus that your body must overcome in order to adapt. Exactly. I think generally with most people, I think about 10 months of the year should be park bench. Yeah. And if you want to gear up, you know, you, if you do want to like after Christmas, uh, I don't know. Do you guys eat too much in Christmas and new year's here? Yeah, but I think the Western world eats too much in general. I think that's pretty much the way it is. I like Christmas is probably just a, a wee bit more, but for the most part, I think it's a free for all. Yeah, well, in the United States, basically, we have an arc from a holiday called Thanksgiving to yeah. Now it goes to the Super Bowl, that American football game. So it used to be Chris, the two weeks of Christmas were a problem, but then Thanksgiving to Christmas. Then Thanksgiving to Christmas to New Year's. Now it's Thanksgiving to Christmas to New Year's to the Super Bowl. And then after the Super Bowl, people say, I've got to get in shape. Well, if you tell me then I want to go on a four week, I want to just clean up my diet. I want to eat clean. I support you 100%. 100%. And about three to six weeks, most people can do it. But then you got to go back to whatever normal is for you. And then maybe if you want to get ready for bikini or whatever in the summer, Good for you. You know, uh, if you want to, you know, dial it up, your training, I, most people really get almost no impact that, but this idea that you can do it 52 weeks a year, you know, dial it up, you know, have a, have a perfect diet and a perfect training program, 52 weeks a year. Uh, I, frankly, I just don't see it. I, 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 yeah. I think I think fat loss, like I think people like they look at fat loss and putting on mass differently. People look at putting on mass as the fun element of dieting, where they get to eat what they want and they get to eat it in larger volumes, and then the fat loss becomes this barren desert of fueled by pain. But, go but back. It, Lee, what did I tell you? And mass made simple. 
how, you have hard, to, how hard is it to shovel down all that food? That that's that's what I'm getting onto. Yeah, that's okay. what I'm getting onto. Uh, <laughs> so like fat loss is this painful process where you can't eat. But when you actually look at the mindset that that kicks in or that you need to uh, create, which is that fat loss is easy in that respect because if you're feeling hungry, then you are having the desired effect. What you are doing is working at that point. Whereas when you start to bulk and shovel down food, you create the environment to become more hungry. And if you're not consuming food, you begin to get stressed out because you think that the magic isn't taking place. So bulking becomes a more stressful concept because you're having to eat every two or three hours. You're having to make sure the nutrition is of a certain quality. And you are also having to pay a lot more nowadays with food inflation. So it's, it's, it's just it's just a, a stressful situation, I find, in general. So in the book, for the gentle listeners, uh, I recommend <laughs> you carry a backpack with you. And in the backpack, you have uh, a loaf of bread, a jar of peanut butter, uh, jelly or jam or whatever, marmalade, whatever you like. And then every so often you pull it out and you take your take your knife, which you carry with you, and you make peanut butter and jelly sandwich and you just shove those down. And it's interesting because if you remember in the book, I, I say, I can't believe I'm still telling people, I can't believe I've come to this. We tried hard-boiled eggs. Impossible. You can't shovel down hard-boiled eggs. <laughs> you just can't. You just, it's just... Oh God, it's so satiable. Oh, I'm yeah, done. It's a cool hand uh, I had a friend tell me, oh, I'm gonna I bought myself a bunch of cans of tuna fish and a can opener. And I said, Yeah, because you know, Dave, the great Dave Draper used to do that. And I'm like, you'll eat one can of tuna fish and you'll be you'll never do it again. I've had <laughs> a tin of sardines or herring or whatever, you know, andro, you know, uh yeah thins. You'll not you you can't. Your brain is going to go. We have we're satiated, but with peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, you can keep shoving them in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if you throw, especially if you throw a banana in there as well. I think a banana turns it into some dessert. Oh, okay. But you know, here you are. I mean, when my when my athletes do mass made simple, the feedback I constantly get is, I just can't wait to eat. You know, just and they get like dreamy eyed about it. <laughs> you know. I'm looking forward to a salad. <laughs> a bowl of soup. Yeah. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. And then because <clears throat> so one of the things I the reason I do some of the things I do is I'm just trying to tell you, Lee. You're not wired for it. So trust the trust the park bench stuff. You know, trust the reasonable stuff because, I mean, obviously, I mean, when I'm working with American football players who, who true, part of their job is to be bigger. They're, they're trying to turn themselves in from a, from a kitchen chair into a, a sofa, you know, I mean, that's, that's sadly, that's the sport, uh, a sofa that runs fast, um, a couch, a sofa, is that, it makes sense? Yeah, a, a couch. Okay. And, uh. And there's going to be a lot of glory in the fall 
if you weigh, if, if I can get you from, oh, uh, here we go. If I can get you from, you know, 14 stone to 20 stone in a couple of years, you're going to be a machine that hurts people, you know. Uh, you notice I threw stone in there for you? Well, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it, it is hard. I mean, it's going to be hard to play American football. You know, when I played, you know, you would have guys who weighed 75 kilos on the field. That same guy now is 105 kilos. The, the, the fast, the fast guys, the, you know, the people who are, you know, just yeah. speed burners. Uh, in the 1940s, you know, uh, the University of Oklahoma had a team where, where they had uh, Tommy McDonald and he, he weighed, uh, he weighed about 63 kilos and he was the best player on the field. Uh, he wouldn't last five plays now. He, I mean, he would just get, well, maybe he would, but, uh, but the season now when he played, it was eight games. Now it's, it's, it could be as high as 23 games in a year. Yeah. Uh, and we're, we're running the same city. Uh, Man City just won the championship. The treble. Yeah, the treble. And so they won this, they won this, they won this. Yeah. Well, if I'm a betting person, and I'm not, I would bet that Man City's going to have a really poor year next year. Yeah. Because they've just boom, boom, boom. Uh, the yeah. physical toll on all of that. And that's not not making fun of soccer football, but, you know, you don't have guys like me running into you, you know, in in the Premier League. You know, you've got yeah. You know, I mean, and if you do, you sit, you lay on the ground and you flop for an hour and a half. But, uh, <laughs> but it, you know, in the National Football League, Division <laughs> football, the National Football League has 120. The good teams have a 120 percent injury rate. Injuries mean you miss a game. Yeah, 120 percent means every player on the team misses at least one game. Yeah, 120 means that's that's by the way that's a good number. Is 120 percent. Yeah, there are teams that have much higher numbers. You know, uh, literally, we know we're going to lose you for a game to injury every year. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so if you want to play that game in the off season, you got to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> the highly anabolic food that is peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And by the way, folks, I disagree with what I just said, except it's true, so I have to agree with it. <laughs> okay, right. So, Dan, I have to go back a little bit because the question that uh, I intended to ask was the inclusion of barbell complexes in Mass Made Simple, which intrigues me to a certain degree. And the reason being that my experience with complexes was reading them through, uh, I think it was his name's Alan Cosgrove article in T Nation many yeah, uh, years Alan, ago. Uh, Alan uh, uses them for fat loss. By yes. The way, I use them for fat loss. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, and that, that's the lens that I seen a complex through was a fat loss tool with relatively lightweight, but done for high repetitions to put the body through the ringer, so to speak. Whereas in Mass Made Simple, it was turned on its head where it was heavyweight done for lower reps. And it, 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 it's, it's been something unique that I've never seen replicated in any program before or after. So, well, and, and the reason no one else does it, it's hard. 
<laughs> and no, I, and I, and I mean that, I mean, you, you know, when, when I see, when I meet some of these other people who write a lot, one of the first things I pick up on is like, have you ever lifted a weight? I know you write a lot. Uh, so what we were, this is a, so this is something I discovered in my, in, with my weight room. We, I started using complexes as a way I was trying to break my athletes from thinking too much. Uh, what happens sometimes, and you'll see bad coaches do it. They'll, t you know, so for a clean, you will address the bar. You will put your thumb around the bar. You'll put your fingers over the bar. You will then straighten out your elbow. You know, they, they, they overcoach. Yeah. Which makes the, the athlete overthink. Well, when you're doing complexes, you know, it says eight cleans. Well, if you're going to think through eight cleans, the workout's going to take an hour and a half. So you start to get that rhythm. You know, you start to get that rhythm. Then there's eight front squats. Boom, boom. Your heart's beating. And you want to get these front squats. Eight, boom, 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 boom. Eight militaries, which the, the, the nice thing about having militaries in a complex is it keeps the load down. After the eight militaries, boom, eight squats, eight good mornings, pop it back over, eight deadlifts, eight rows, whatever it is. The original idea was I was trying to get my athletes to quit, you know, thinking one, two, three, and just start to flow with the bar. Yeah. The same way you learn in sports, you know, you know, I, I, what's, uh, would you play rugby? What would be a sport you play? Yeah, soccer, football. Okay. So when you're in a, when you're in a, a, a football game and someone passes you the ball, you don't say, okay, now stomp the ground with your right foot and then turn your toe out and then strike the ball in a fluid manner towards the, well, you, you, you never, you a never get the ball B never score. It, you couldn't make a pass to save your life. So it just, you know, if I kick a ball to you, you react and bring the ball back to me. Right. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. you don't think about it. Yeah. So we have to do the same thing in the weight room. That was the original reason I added complexes to my teenagers, to my high school kids. Well, pretty soon we started adding them up because it was, I also figured out it's a good little workout. And very quickly, my athletes started to kind of swell up physically. And then the dad started asking, <laughs> the dads would ask the kid, hey, can you bring me some of these? So I noticed I was handing the kid, <clears throat> can I get a copy of the complexes? And I, and pretty soon the fire department in the in, at the area I was at the school, uh, in the, the city I was in, <clears throat> They started coming over and asking me. And so I taught the fire department uh, complexes. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting there one day going, this is a gold mine. Everybody, you know, because it's not, you don't like doing complexes. But when I see you do them, and I see after about two or three weeks, and it's very quick. The physical adaptions are very quick. After two or three weeks, I look over at you and you look better. And then that's, <clears throat> and then I figured out that, complexes with high rep squats were probably the two best lean body mass builders I'd ever yeah. used in a program. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing that stands out to me about that is that the current trend in fitness is, or weight training is to be optimal. It's to target muscles that have to be aligned with Venus at night and things to that nature. Whereas Mass Made Simple is just raw, relentless, hard work, which focuses more on 
just load on the overall body. And uh, or, or, and time under tension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think about how I, long you have the bar. Think about how long you have the bar in your hand. When uh, just a moment, okay. Uh, thank you. Think about how long you have a bar in your hand on complexes, and then think about how long the bar is on your back. In, yeah. Uh, this is water, gentle listener. Uh, in uh, uh, the high rep back squats. Yeah. So you're, you're getting. You're right. It's raw, but it's also long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's always tied in with my belief that training should be like, particularly in the the the, the bus the bus stop workout domain, that training has to be brutal in a sense where your body does have to overcome something. You have to cha- you have to go through a challenge style workout as opposed to a like a, a volume based workout where you're just steadily increasing numbers throughout the week and trying to get close to failure whereas you programmed the reps so that you had no choice but to get to failure and then some possibly to the point of mental failure because when you're doing 50 rep squats with body weight it's like you said it's it's a mental challenge it's not a physical challenge it's a it's a mental challenge and that to me sorry do you remember on the program i have those up to 50 workouts yeah so, gentle listener, um, when uh, in the program you put your body weight on, on the back squat, and I say up to fifty, and it doesn't matter how you get to fifty reps, and if you want to do five sets of ten, okay, that's good. But what people start to, you know, what? In fact, that's my favorite workout is up to. That's my favorite workout to to, to program, because if we, sometimes we'll do up to twenty five on a press workout. Yeah. And what's nice about that is I'm as I'm doing the press, if it sometimes you'll notice that the reps go like seven, and then the next round is nine, and the next round is three, and then the next one is four, and then the next one is nine. <laughs> and what's not it that staccato that happens is to me much more natural than but the other thing that you said was good. I liked the mental side of it. Okay, I'm just gonna do one more. Uh, you rack if you rack it at eight reps, you still have 42 to go. And the next time you do that, you'll say, "I'm not just, I'm just gonna get this." I don't want to swear on your podcast, but there's free. an adjective that has "f" in there. I'm gonna get this adjective <laughs> workout done. I hate these adjectives. You know, you're just gonna yeah. Yeah. yeah, remember Dan, I'm Scottish. Like we our first words are usually swear words. So yeah, yeah, yes. Your adjectives, yeah, yeah. It's like being <laughs> in Ireland, yeah. It's like that. Yeah. so so one of the things I like about what you said there is the mental challenge. And that's what the up twos is about. The up twos are just greasing your brain up. You know, like people have said to me, so should I do two sets of twenty-five? And I, I just want to say to them, How the hell would I know? I mean I mean, you know, how, how am I going to know if yeah, yeah, twenty? You know, you might, you know, you might be doing the worst reps in history at rep twelve. I don't want you to keep going. Stop racket. You know, do what yeah, you got to yeah. do. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, Dan. I, I know you're a busy man, and I uh, know that you have a certain amount of time that you can give to the podcast. And I very appreciative of you coming on. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, Let's do it again great guy to listen to uh, so 
just before I go, can you tell the, the listeners where they can find you on YouTube and Instagram if you've got one? Sure. Um, the best place to find me is danjohnuniversity.com. Uh, and uh, if your listeners want, it's a paid site. You get a free two weeks, but if here, this will give you a big discount. And capital letters, type in E-S-P-E-N, E-S-P-E-N. And that'll give you a nice big discount. Uh, I mean, it's, I can't give it away for free because it's a business, but that was, that's, it's basically just pays for the, the it pay, just pays for the stuff. And so that'll save you. And there's books on there. There's all kinds of free stuff. So help yourself. Um, and then in there, there's also, a, a, we have a bookstore, danjohnuniversity.com slash bookstore. And that's where my new book, Easy Strength Omni Book, only place you can get it. Um, then on YouTube, I don't know what I am on YouTube. I don't know what my son, I think you just type in Dan John, I think. And I, I think, I, I don't know what it's, I don't know what it is. Because, yeah. you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> Usually everybody just this rolls off their tongue. <laughs> I don't know. That's something I probably should find out. Huh? Yeah, yeah, it would probably be. I'm sorry. Yeah, Lee, I'm not dumb. I'm just, <laughs> I just, I mean, I just. <laughs> you're, you're just that type of guy, Dan. <laughs> uh, and then my Instagram is Coach Dan John. Okay. Okay. But it's fun if you do go on and type in Dan John uh, on Instagram. There's an Italian clothes store. And there's me. And I think it's <laughs> hilarious. Uh, people send me pictures all the time from uh, their vacation in Italy because it's like a, a a chain. So it'll say Dan John. And I always say, yeah, just go on and ask for the discount. Tell me you know me. And yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, one of my listeners brought back, uh, sent me perfume called Dan John, which I which I think is kind of funny. I, and so uh, Coach Dan John, and if you type in Dan John, you, you'll, you'll get an interesting little, yeah. get, once you're on the clothing site, you'll, you'll figure it out after about two or three seconds. I hope when you yeah. see a bunch of skinny Italian guys with pants that don't fit very well. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll have to order myself some Dan John perfume to put on after a workout, but. <laughs> well, okay. I'll tell you what, Lee will be the best smell, smelling man. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, Dan, thank you very much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. 